You are listening to Punk Theology. This is episode 25, season one. I would be your host, Russ Shaw. Readiness. Are you ready? Lately, I really feel like I'm rolling for Cal, like Philly. Feel like I'm losing control of myself. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Oh, yeah, a little newer and old Eminem on the podcast. No, that's not punk rock. It, I know. But. There's something to rap music that's just very, very punk. Um, NWA, I think, is one of the punkest bands that ever existed. Talk about being anti-establishment, pushing back against authority, and doing something good in the world with some lyrics and some music uh, that when it needed to be done, right? When, When that kind of angst needed to be let out that energy was there with those guys and Eminem here's a very hurt guy with very great musical talent and Kierkegaard, uh, the philosopher Kierkegaard said he said the artist is someone who when they cry colors come flowing out right? Beautiful colors He, he said that the poet is someone who, when they weep, these beautiful words come out, right? Like, we get to experience their pain through art, their self-discovery, their maturity, you could say. And what does it mean to be ready? We uh, talk about that today because, you know, Eminem's a great example. You're gonna mature, you're gonna grow up. And what does that maturity look like? One of the constants in this life is that we are maturing, we are growing, we are all going to die eventually. And what does it look like to fill the time that we have with love? Throwing that out there. There you go. A visionary, vision is scary. Can start a revolution, polluting the airwaves, a rebel. Notice, let me revel in asking the fact that I got everyone kissing my ass, and it's a disaster, such a catastrophe for you to see. So damn much of my ass, you ask for me. Well, I'm back. Fix your minutes and I'm tuning in and I'm gonna enter in and up under your skin like a splinter. The center of attention, back for the winner. I'm interesting. The best things in wrestling, investing in your kids' ears and nesting. Testing, attention, please. Feel the tension soon as someone mentions me. Here's my 10 cents, my two cents is free. A nuisance, who sent? You sent for me? Now this looks like a job for me. So everybody, just follow me. Cause we need a little controversy. Cause it feels so That's good. Yeah, that is good. So I like that. (laughs) Right. We should do a podcast. Yeah, (laughs) just because you're gonna try and bullshit for in circles for you know the next half hour. Fuck that. Just tell me what your dance. What gets you? It's it's like the um, you know you were talking about the the study where the they took all the single people and forced them to be vulnerable with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's that's basically what you're doing, right? right? Like you're just forcing everybody to. It's hey. Think about the worst shit that you're gonna have to want to talk about, and just go ahead and say it because we all got it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the the messages of punk rock too: is don't diminish me. Like I'm gonna wear colors, I'm gonna put my hair in a mohawk, it's gonna be spiked. Don't diminish me, and it's kind of hedging yourself beforehand. 
right? Yeah. I already look fucked up and I did this on purpose. <laughs> 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 Theology, this is episode 25. We should celebrate with some kind of 25. Oh, yeah, we got beer. We got some Elysian men's room night owl. It's the fall beer, the pumpkin beer. The so if, we make, if we make it to 100, let's do a 100 episode party. If we could make it to 100 without 100 listeners, that would be really sad. <laughs> or 100 subscribers. We probably have 100 listeners, but 100 subscribers is something else. So, hey. Hit that subscribe button right next to the uh, the thing it on makes your us app. It feel so much better. It does. It's like it does. It really does. <laughs> the beer uh, cigars go. No, but seriously, wild. if you do believe in this message like we do, this kind of outside the realm of branding spirituality, right? Trying to slap a price tag on it or placebo the shit out of it or philosophize the shit out of it. If you believe in that message. Hit subscribe because it actually does help with the ratings and it helps with people um, finding the podcast, uh, searching for it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you hear popular podcasts. So, I'll get off my soapbox and uh, how the fuck are you guys? I'm oh, ready. this show is marked explicit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen Thank to you. it with your kids in the car. Yeah. The show is fucking no. explicit. Yeah. Chuck shared a story of uh, somebody he knows that they, they turned it on on the way to church. Yeah, so the, uh, yeah, so it's my sister. So hello, sister. <laughs> if you've made it this far, hello, we're glad uh, you're listening. You're glad we're li- you're listening. Go ahead and subscribe. Yes, like us. You know, comments. Uh, yeah, but so she downloaded the first like four or five episodes, and they're on the way to church or. <laughs> Somewhere, all you know, the car's packed, and they start playing it, and it starts swearing, and it the radio turned off very quickly because what she <laughs> right. announced. And right after the heavy punk rock from something must be. Yeah, it's like hello. <laughs> <laughs> there but, may be some explicit language, maybe, in this here show. So the topic today is readiness. Swear words that we say in the show are going to offend people. And that's part of readiness, too. Are you ready to be offended because you're listening to the show? Like, that's, there's, that's, that's an offense. Like, oh, you said those words, and that's offensive. There's a guy who did a... a I think Arthur shared this story. It was great that he... This, this dude gets up in front of a big Christian conference in front of, a, you know, a thousand Christian folks, and he starts out with this line. He says... Tonight, you know, some three, four thousand uh, hungry African kids are going to die, but none of you Christians in this room give a shit about that. <gasps> and then he pauses, he right? Yeah. <laughs> and it would have been one of those conferences where they're going to, what are you going to say? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But, and then he pauses and he says, now a lot of you were just reactive or triggered by the, by the fact that I just said shit. And he said this, and I thought this was brilliant. He said, what if you're really getting angry and triggered about the totally wrong fucking things? <laughs> right? He didn't say fucking. I'm saying fucking because I'm resonating with his point. What if 
you evangelicals who are listening, you Christians who are listening, who sometimes are like, oh, I don't know, like you say too many swear words. What if you're getting angry about really the wrong stuff? The other thing is, if we totally clean this up and, and really fixed our language, you'd still be really offended. That's <laughs> <laughs> not going away. That's right. Like, yeah. I, so, I'll, I'll add one, one other thing if we're all chiming in here. Yes, is, yeah. is <laughs> I, I, I don't think that we swear because we're recording, per se. This is just the no, way we talk. Way we it talk. is the way we it's talk. who we are. Exactly. You know, we're trying to... And you guys swear more than me. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 but but th- this is just us, so it's just unfiltered. Yeah, and, you know. And we also came from Mars Hill Church, which was a swear word church. Like um, Mark, maybe. no, I did not. You I did not. But a lot of Chuck, Chuck did. Chuck, Chuck did not. Like, I, I, never went to Mars Hill Church, which is which, which is, is rare. I'm yeah. better off. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad probably, I don't know about Mars Hill. He definitely wouldn't be here if he got to Mars Hill. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but. Um, Mark was what coined the swearing pastor in in, in Dennis the early and then he cooled it down uh, to get more evangelicals to come to his so, church. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. And then he started with the gay bashing, you know, instead of in the beginning where he went to Capitol Hill and actually spent. He bought everybody. He went to a gay bar in Capitol Hill and bought everybody in there a drink and wrote it off as ministry expense. <laughs> Which that was the old Mark. I, I like cool. that Mark. Yeah. yeah. Say, what's wrong yeah. with that? That it's sounds great. Bar. Yeah. But he had an ulterior motive doing that. I think. I think he. I think he devolved into the megachurch pastor that he became and is now. Not making amends. Everybody's like, "Well, what did Mark do? He didn't make amends. So that's what he didn't do." So in in recovery, you offend someone. Yeah, you're gonna feel bad about that. Mark felt bad. Mark hurt people, and Mark was hurt because he hurt people. But he didn't take the extra step of making amends. And he did the ultimate well, system system of silence, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. he decided to do personally. Like, exactly. Okay, I'm breaking up with all of you. Exactly. I'm going to move to a different state so you guys can't talk to me anymore. And Jim Henderson coined that phrase, uh, systematic silence, or uh, systemic silence. And I, I think that started with Mars Hill, and we're seeing it. It's starting to become a thing now because this is a strategy that systems and institutions use to hush the people that are unfortunate or making a noise because of bullying in many cases. Or... You know, military kind of leadership in a in a church, which is not the way the church. Hierarchical authoritarianism. Exactly. Yeah. What were you gonna say, John? Well, it's, I was just thinking about it. So there's a few of us that have children. Do you swear in front of your kids, John? <laughs> I have. You have. No, no, no. Yeah. You have, and it it's just whatever. That's your speech, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have you sworn? Yeah. Yeah. So I've sworn in front of my children. I try not to, but I have. For but sure. it's what I have an issue with, or where I get offended, is when you when I hear my children start belittling other yes. kids. Yeah, that's not. And it's no. like, oh no, hell no, hell no. You know, yeah. you, he's not fat. He's not you know ugly. The shaming. Like you can call him a shithead for all I care. <laughs> don't I don't care if you're, you're not saying gonna it nicely. It, but if you're saying it nicely, yeah, right, right, it's like, oh, you shithead. Like yeah, yeah. You, that was pretty. You know, that yeah. wasn't great. But don't call him fat. Or dumb? Oh, I think, yeah. so the biggest thing for me that I struggle with is so many people believe in magic words. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, 
all I just did was make vibrations in the air. <laughs> like, the only reason, like, you should not be offended by any vibrations in the air. You should be offended by the meanings behind the vibrations of the air. Yeah. And you can say words and they mean many different things yeah. in the English language. Yeah. So I can make vibrations in the air. And what I mean by that might be completely different based on the context. So these people just, like, honestly, I think. They were brainwashed to the point where they hear that word and they hear they taste soap, and that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh, that tastes like soap. Don't say that. <laughs> like, and that's it. Like, that's the only fucking reason that like they get soap. all upset. Ben Gillette recently talked about this experiment he was doing of using like the correct nomenclature for all these swear words. So instead of shit, he'd say excrement or something like that. And that was a really interesting experiment because people are used to him swearing a little bit, and he just stopped and. It kind of, I don't know, changed like the whole dynamic of people he was interacting right. with. Like, I said, yeah. Tony what Robbins started doing that. Oh, man. Because and Tony Robbins would say, it interrupts. Did you ever see that documentary? Two point B. No. So good. Subliminal messages. You can hear side conversation. Was that what we were saying? Oh, we're having a side conversation. Derek and I were just doing. You can't. We're recording. Sorry, I forgot recording. Yes, we can. We we are right now. People are having conversation. John's having conversation. I am not your guru. It's on Netflix. Interesting. Yeah, check it out. Wait, hold on. I do have a question though, and I would like. Yes, we just crashed. Because it's punk. Are you ready? Boom! Punk podcasting with side. This is this is a question that I'm going to pose to our listeners. So it's going to be delayed a bit for us. Punk theology podcast at Gmail. I would like you guys to bet us that we can't make it through a actual recording without swearing. Without swearing, I could do it. it. I know you could. Russ cannot. Russ no, or hey, I was I on. I can. I have a story. Listen, so when ASI started and it started becoming popular, I was on uh, KGNW in Seattle <laughs> three Jordan. times. I was on the Christian radio channel during drive time commute. Yeah, no, it was eight twenty a.m. Eight twenty. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a Christian thing. It's, what what oh, is it really? now? I forget. What it's, it's a Christian station, and there was a guy, and he had me on, and that was the one. I remember praying that. It's actually in the Psalms. There's a Psalm. Yeah, there's a Psalm that talks about that. Like, Lord, post guards at my lip, my lip gate. Right, because I just this is how I talk, and so I'm I'm in this I'm in the studio with a microphone my face, live radio, you know, Christian radio, and I I didn't I didn't swear during that time. I didn't swear on the whole show. Um, yeah, I don't know if they had a dump button on Christian radio. They do. They oh do. yeah, they it's do. Cool. Yeah, they do. Seven second delay. Yeah, it's probably I don't. I would have a hard time. I think we could bring in a counterbell. Ding, ding. Or we could bring in a jar and then we could give it to a charity. Like, yeah. I like the jar bell idea because I'll just hit the bell when I want to swear. Yeah. And you, bing, 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 think that this, bing, bing, bing. I just sent it myself. The <laughs> there you go. Funktheology.com. That's right. And uh, Chuck... Chuck is going to... Uh, what, what? Explain what you're, uh, you're, you're dabbling in there, there Chuck. Woo-woo. That is the, that is the technical term that I have adopted for this, because I, well, unfortunately, I wanted to read a certain book, the and 
rapid trans rapid rapid transformation therapy by Marianne Rowland, PhD, who is the co-founder of the White Raven Center up in Alaska. And the book talks about their process, their healing process, which is body work and incorporating elements of Native American healing with psychology and taking things from different traditions. They've developed yeah. this body work, this method to do body work and which is very much in John. That was like straight off the fucking. Yeah. Thank you. But I failed. I failed <laughs> I, to start I read the book, reading I the book. It. I, and it was, it was funny cause it was like, okay, Saturday I'm going to start reading it. And then it's like, no, I, I got too much shit to do right. Sunday. I got to start reading it. Okay. No, too much shit to do. My my youngest birthday was on Monday, and so we did all this shit over the weekend. And I was like, "Okay, Monday." But it's like, no, fuck! I got to work fifty hours before Friday. Mm. I got to get fifty billable hours in so I can make the month and all this crap. And what about Seth Taylor's book? No, I haven't read that one yet. You can listen to that one actually. You can get that on uh, iTunes. Oh no, no, you can get it on Audible. Audible. Yeah. I have the log on and whatnot for. Doing this workbook or whatever, I know that. <laughs> You're not um, supposed to say that publicly, but I'm sure he would hey, understand. Hey, lock on. <laughs> you paid for it, <laughs> yeah. didn't you? Yeah, it was I paid, you paid, I paid for. like ten million dollars <laughs> for it. I, <laughs> I, I, my life. That's I, awesome. I, 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 you have kids. You have responsibilities. You're busy. You're working mm-hmm. a lot. But but an honest question is: You're saying that. I'm just asking. Is there maybe even on a subconscious level some apprehension? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's not subconscious. No, it's not subconscious. It's right here. It is right here. And, but it's. I've also. It's weird because it's like, okay, so all of this is just foreign to me, and I've wanted to, and this this is consciously wanted to just keep it that way, and I don't know why. Well, maybe go into it blind and don't go into it with any expectations or assumptions. Correct. Yeah. How I how I view that kind of adventure is in one of the Chronicles of Narnia, there was a sign on a bell, and it said, I'm, I'm probably going to misquote it, but it says, ring the bell. Oh, that was Ring the bell. Misha's here. Hi, Misha. Ring the bell, traveling, ring the bell, traveling stranger, or wonder till it drives you mad what would have happened if you had. Mm. Oh, yeah. So that's how that's I awesome. view adventure. Now I'm trying to. So you look at it, you could back out of this. You could not read the book. But for me, it would drive me mad wondering what would have happened if I had read the book? What would happen? I'm excited for you. I'm excited I'm, to see the transformation. I have mixed emotions about it. Like I'm, I am genuinely excited, but I'm like also like a scared shitless because it's oh, yeah. like, wait, what if this is both sides, right? So like, what if this is a bunch of bullshit? And you got to buy in, you know, you show up there and it's like, oh, well, you know, so thanks for your money. We just, this is more of an intro. You got to come back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, like I, I didn't really sign up for that stuff. But then I'm excited too. Cause it's like, what if I just learned one thing that's completely different than what I'm used to? Yeah. yeah. And not that it works or it's Derek always talks about the 10% happier. Yeah. And, and so yours. it's like that one thing is the 10%. I'm okay with 10% right yeah, now. Yeah. Fuck, I'm okay with 1%. Yeah. yeah. I think they I don't know will... That one, I'm okay with 3%. 1% is unacceptable. But I want 1,000%. I think, 1, 000%, right? I think like, they will th- They will put you at ease right away. And I think you'll well, feel comfortable. And it's already been that way. I've had... When you talk to him on the phone. Yeah, so. well, talk to... Yeah, I've talked to Rebecca. Um, and... 
Oh, I can't remember the other lady's name. The lady that took all my money. Um, <laughs> and But they've both just, it's like they're transparent. Hey, you have any questions, call us, regardless of what's going on. We'll try to answer you as quickly as we can. If we, you know, we'll phone you back. If we don't answer, if you write an email, that's fine too. Um, and so it's just, it's a, they're creating an atmosphere that's safe already for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's just... So, so Chuck's embarking on this this weekend. Did we say that? No. Yeah. So tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, um, tomorrow, I start the the downhill process of. No, Lord. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's out in Duval, um, and the, closer than Alaska. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, coming. So to I don't you. have to fly to Alaska. They're going to yeah. come to me just for me. Yes. You know? um, for those who don't know the area here in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest, you have Seattle, which is on the water. Here in Everett, we're north on the water. Um, you go east. There's Microsoft. You go farther east. That's Duval, right at right at the foothills. So there's going to be lots of right at the foothills of the mountains. Yeah, yeah, lots of rain. Um, and I originally thought it was through kind of like the morning on Sunday, and I just read an email that it's going to be. They're like, hey, expect here to be here till like six, which I'm like happy about because it's like great. Like I paid a not a lot of money, but I paid a good amount of money for this. So it's like I'm getting almost three full days of. Therapy. Yeah. yeah. Intensive. Intensive therapy. It's like, wow, shit. Yeah. I'm glad I waited this long. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so what time does it start in the morning? I have to check in is at noon tomorrow. Okay. And so I'm assuming that since I have a shitty cell phone service that I'm not going to have any cell phone service, which is going to be great. That'd be great, yeah. Um, the, I checked out the resort that we're staying in, and it seems real low-key, kind of like a mom and pop bed and breakfast style place yeah um, yeah so it's just yeah I'm, I'm excited for you I did a I did a phone processing with with Floyd who's Marianne Roland's husband he's the main guy there at White Raven Center and and I it was I got a lot out of it I don't think it cured me or healed me per se I have a lot of low T trauma and generalized anxiety and Derek and I talk a lot about our different therapeutic approaches and just things we're exploring. And when I knew they were coming to Duval, I seriously considered it. I was, you know, interested in going. But I, I opted to pursue EMDR therapy, and I'm about a month into How's that. It's, it's really amazingly insightful. Uh, I'm getting to a place where I want to start uh, feeling better. You know, it's like I can have all the insights in the world and I can hug my 11-year-old self and I can cry and I can hug my dead grandmother and my dead father. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually saying like stuff that's happened over the month yeah. that's been really beautiful. But I'm, I want that to start, I don't know, entering into like my everyday life where it's just like that, that pit in my chest kind of alleviates some. And in some days it's better than others and that's just kind of the nature of the way I struggle with my particular brand of mental health issues. Um, but I'm watching closely because you have big T trauma, and if you get some healing from it, I mean, I'd buy a ticket up to Alaska. To say, like, well, and, I, know, and like, I've thought about that too. The so your standard therapist is X number of dollars. You you go with to them once a week, yeah. maybe every other week. That's why I did the math, on and it. I did the math real quick, and I was like, wait a second, like this this is actually cheap. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of money at once, be, yeah. Yeah. but this is cheap. That's three years of therapy stuffed into a weekend. Mm, nah, <laughs> a year. 
Maybe. I, it's on how much your therapist costs. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. How much money you have. You know, usually how much money you have bases how much your therapist costs. But I've thought about, depending on how this weekend goes, then go to Alaska. Yeah. And yeah. do it again. Um, but And then, Russ, you and I have shared this, too. It's like, well, when does it stop? <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the fear. And, and that's a fear thing. And so readiness, that's something that, that I had to embrace with readiness. So anytime... When somebody says, are you ready, there's always a fear element because ready for what, right? Ready, set, go. Any People that run marathons usually have to train for that shit, right? They get a month. A, yeah, it takes a while to train for a marathon. So readiness has a lot of nuance. It has a lot of, you know, um, situational stuff going on. So... Are you ready for something like that? I think that when it comes to mental health, you know, yeah, you, you got to jump in the pool. I don't think on. you could ever be ready to deal with, whether it's low T, small T, or big T traumas, dealing with your me- mental health issues. Right. I don't think, you know, it's... And White Raven is a mental health outpatient therapy center. So to, uh, to, to, to clarify that to listeners, yes, it does have some metaphysical, spiritual stuff going on. But it, like, if I was diligent about it a month ago, I probably could have got a therapist to sign off on it and get my insurance company to cover a big chunk of it if I wanted to go that bad. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going with a more of an EMDR thing, I think. I don't know. I, I did a, a process with uh, with Amy, Seth's wife, who's been trained in this, and it was really interesting. And I think that it left me three or four percent better. And but would I do it again? I don't know. It's, it, it, I might go to the White Raven. I'm, I'm in a weird place when it comes to readiness on that stuff because I still have some. I'll just be honest. I'll well, be straight up honest. I still have some fear. So when I was doing that process, I saw some dark shit, and it freaked me the fuck me. out. And I didn't know why. Me just laying there breathing and having this woman, you know, uh, ask me things, tell me to breathe, you know, putting rocks on my chest and shit like that, chakras and all that. And uh, I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, I'm seeing the face of what I was told. So I was sexually assaulted as a kid, and I don't remember what that guy even looks like. So my mind, you know, pushed a lot of it out. So I have, I have missing memories. And I, and I was trying to remember this guy's face. I was asked by a, a counselor, therapist, or something, just try and focus on his face. And all I saw was this like weird, scary face with like maggots hanging off it, like a dead person. And it fuck freaked me out. And I saw that the same night I did that process. So this wasn't at an outpatient therapy thing. This was at at my friend's house. And and uh, while I was supposed to be laying there calmly breathing, I got the fuck up and went. <gasps> What the fuck was that? You See, know? you didn't finish the process. Well, and so that's where I was going. Oh, no, I, I, maybe I didn't. I don't know. No, <laughs> so, but it's, it's it's freaked me out. Like I don't, I don't know if I want to. Because I've talked to Seth about that, and I don't want to relive my memories. You know what? There's other people that go. They'll, well, hey, we can hypnotize you, and you can you can go back and relive that, so you can process the trauma that's involved in it. Like fuck that. I don't want to relive that shit. Well, that's what those modalities are made for. Is to. Is but to, I get that. That's what if you don't process process EMDR does. EMDR yes, yes. goes in. What if you don't have to relive the memories to process it? Yeah, exactly. And that's what they would say, too. You don't have to relive the memories, but we're going to bring you to the place where the trauma happened. Because that's how you process it as an adult, something that happened as a kid. Yeah. So, let's so, yeah, go into it with a longing for freedom and for peace. And 
Yeah. But that, all of that starts with readiness. You know, all of that starts with a, a kind of readiness that the says... The illusion of it. That says enough. Now, I don't think it's an illusion when you get done, like like the, the dealing with your shit episode, right? You finally get to the place where you're like, enough! Well, like, I'm not going to take this not. anymore. Okay, so... For my personal experience, though, I wasn't ready to deal with any of this. I was done dealing... I was done having to put up with the shit. Right. This is just complete... This is 180 degrees of what I've done in the past. It's not that I'm ready for it. I mean, ready would be you practice your spelling words for your spelling test on Friday. Right. Or you have a marathon <coughs> in a month. You, today, if you started training, it would take you one month... And you could run a marathon. Right. But maybe that's some of the engineer brain coming in. Two well, definitions definitely. There's two <laughs> definitions of readiness that we can kind of work with here. I think that's yeah, kind yeah. of where you're going. One would be, like, I have a pretty good idea of what's coming. and that, So that would be, like, preparedness, right? Yeah. Like, like, I'm prepared. I've done my research. I'm pretty sure what's going, what's going to happen. Um, and I don't know that that's actually even as helpful. And then the other type of readiness is I'm just so fucking shit, sick of all this shit. I'm just going to do what I got to do. Right. And I don't have any idea what's fucking coming. I'm just out of here. So, like, John and I watched The Matrix this weekend, <laughs> right? And it's kind of like that. Like, like, can you explain to me what The Matrix is? <laughs> no, no, you just got to go. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got like, to you are, you, are you ready to go? Yes, and then I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but I got to get out of here. Yeah. Right. That, so that may be more of the readiness that's required for this type of thing. Yeah, that's a good way. Of, of like, I don't know what's fucking coming, but I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well, so. Who is it that said when the student is ready, the teacher will be there? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good quote. Because that's the way I would look at this. For, for yeah, because it's, I mean, you're I, ready by the fact that this opportunity has presented itself. Didn't Floyd yeah. say that to you? Uh, You're ready. You seem like a guy who's. Ready. I was ready. I was. I was totally ready. But did you say that? Though? Well, yes, he did. But yeah. but again, I, I I want to be sensitive to the fact that, and I'm not belittling my trauma. I'm not. But but I do want to say it matter of factly. I I have low T trauma. I've never right. been molested as a kid. I. You know, didn't I, don't I wasn't know. I, I wasn't abused. If I had if I had big T trauma, that could be a lot different. I don't know. I really well, don't. For you, I, I think that it is. Big T, little T. I don't know if I, I agree with all that because like, you look at someone like Kurt Cobain. I don't know if Kurt Cobain was molested or how how his life went down, but I think a cat like that is so incredibly sensitive. Yeah, that I, all that wealth and all that money and all that fame. And also, your just, dad died when you were twelve. Yeah, that's what my wife says. That's, like, that's, that's, that's that's not my wife says that. My, my wife says that. Like, yeah, that's, that's not a little that's a big thing. deal. Like, your dad yeah. died when you were twelve. Seth Taylor too. Seth Taylor. Oh, dude, that creates a ripple effect. It does. No, that trust for sure is someone there and oh yeah, humanity and fragility. Yeah, in is that a word? Yes. Fragility. Because yeah. I think a lot of us sure. think our stuff isn't that bad. Yeah. Well, because we don't. Uh, your I, stuff yeah. is bad. But I'm, in my head, I'm thinking it's not that bad. I mean, there's a lot worse. Is where I started comparing. Right. Just, but there's always a lot worse. But yeah. to me, or to John, or to any of us, our stuff might be big T. So yes. John, and that causes you to back away from the diving board. Like, yes. uh, so John, like John why do you want to believe that it's low T? I mean, just comparatively speaking, I, I, why do you want to? I what does it do for you? What does it do for me? Oh, I just want to be respectful and sensitive to my friends that have gone through... Well, what if that's holding you back? I gotta think about that. I, or what if it's you're not? it has nothing to do with being respectful to me? 
and you're not putting my trauma lower than yours or above yours. By everyone has you trauma. Know, everyone correct. has hurt, yeah. and everyone has pain. I, I get that. Um, but are they going to shell out a bunch of money to heal from it? What, what does that look like, or or why? And it, yeah, you just seem to be bouncing off the idea of defining it as major trauma. Well, I, to to be fair, I'm actually using EMDR language because they define it that way. Well, fuck that language. I know, but <laughs> so I want to ask you: yeah, yeah. Are you doing EMDR with an instructor? Hey, hand me a men's room. Oh, uh, with a therapist, okay. with a licensed the, EMDR therapist, okay. who's a cognitive behavioral therapist. Men's room. Sorry. Okay. Locally. Yeah. Okay. Just curious. Yeah, she's good. If you if you're interested, I'll. I don't know. You're, you're trying different things. That's what, correct. And that's yeah, the thing that's, with a lot of this is like it's trial and error. Yeah. Yes. That's where I get so much. That's where I get discouraged. It's like you know, I wish I could just take a test. You know, maybe like, just uh, <laughs> take, take my blood, just, right? just look it's at my like, DNA like, uh, and spit out. These are the drugs you need. These are the supplements you need. This is the yeah. therapy you need. Yeah. It's it's not a lot of they trial. You do that for psychiatric drugs. I, I, I just wish this. I just wish this was working better. Well, it's like Russ, what you said last week really got me thinking. Then I might have. Have a degree of ADD or ADHD. ADHD, yeah. Because I've been, and I look, I've kind of reflected back. I, I confided in my wife, and she's looking at me like, yeah. Yeah. As a kid, I would get in all kind of shit trouble because I was bored. Mm-hmm. I started a freaking forest fire <laughs> when I was 10 years old. <laughs> right. A buddy of mine, we had some matches, we started a little fire out in the woods. He wanted to put it out. I said, no, no, let it go. <laughs> then it got, we couldn't put it out. So oh, man. there's two little, two little sirens just coming, right? Jack out of the fire oh, engines wow. are coming. We're hearing them coming. Wow. No, I didn't do it. No, I didn't do it. Mom, I didn't do it. Honestly, I, I copped to it about five years ago. Mom goes, did you start that fire in the woods back in Pennsylvania? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. You, now you that it's inconsequential. Yeah. But I did all kinds of shit. Statue of limitations. Statue of limitations. <laughs> yeah. What's because the statute of limitations for arson? Uh, yes. Yeah. I was bored. Yeah. Well, so I, I've heard you, Derek, also describe your your stuff as low-T trauma. Yeah, you and you've shared some – this is your story to tell, but you've shared some stuff with me where I'm like – I don't know, man. That doesn't sound like low T to me. But you do the same thing. Why do you do that? Is it the why same? do I want to? Because we're why do you, yeah, why do you want to believe that, that your trauma is low T? Oh yeah. Or why do you want to believe you should classify it as such? I think there's something with sexual trauma that's just so different, and and just is it so different, or is it just not talked about? Ah, <sighs> uh, yeah, that's a good one. And that's where I'm at, which has actually pissed a lot of my family off. Yeah, is that I'm just talking about it. I love that, man. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's like I'm theology done. right there. I'm done not talking done about it. Oh, shit. Done Chuck hiding. smacked the hornet's nest with a stick. Oh, a big stick. Oh, my, my um, well, you know it's there. Because you Chuck, just didn't have to smack it with a well, stick. And so, because Chuck wrote a blog post. Yeah, to yeah. fill you guys in, I yeah. and go ahead and read it. It's uh, my story. It, yeah, it's my, my story. Punktheology.com. Uh, Derek I'll helped me get through page. a lot of the grammar and <laughs> spelling because I yeah, yeah that's I'm great. good with you math. Mine too. Um, Him and me. So I so I posted this blog on punk theology and I was not having the an inkling of a want to share it on my Facebook, mm-hmm. and then Russ decided to tag me in <laughs> it. You. Oops. Pretty much shit my pants right there, uh, and then he's like, "Oh hey, yeah, I tagged you in this, Chuck. Hope it's okay." I'm like, "Oh." Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I decided, I'm like, you know what? 
I'm yeah. done. Like I'm done. Keep like that's the point of my stories. I'm done keeping this secret. Yeah, I'm gonna start talking about it. And I didn't mean. I, I, no, no, no. I really wasn't thinking about. <coughs> oh yeah, when you tag someone, it kind of goes on their page. Yeah. So I shared it. There's that. Um, <laughs> I was trying to protect you from the trolls because I knew trolls would probably troll you, and I'm used to. I didn't trolls. understand that whole thing. To be honest with you, the, the whole time you guys were talking about trolls, right. like the, no, there's no way this guy's putting himself out there with this intensely, beautifully vulnerable and sensitive story. What the fuck kind of trolls are you gonna get? I could forward you some emails. That just floors me, man. That's I think that those guys. Me. I think the guys. What did you me, say? I think like, the guys what did trolls say? You asked for it. You asked for. Oh, okay. Come on. God, I mean, we're going extreme it. here. That's like, just they're, so... they're assholes. No, no, not even they're assholes. This would work for a year. Why didn't you stop it? And yeah. Nobody said that to me. What, what they said to me was kind of like, you know, how is that from my dad beating me up when I was a kid? Or something like that. It's and not. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I, I for, forgive my ignorance. I just. I, ca- I can't. I'm reading. I can't possibly imagine anyone being insensitive about it. But yeah, but are. there's that thing that. And they're well, either offenders or they've been a. a, a um, they're perfect. That or that or they're just they're broken and they are trying to level themselves above you. You know, maybe it hit their nerves. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a troll. I don't. I would never attack anybody I, about it intentionally. Not specific to your case, but generally with the way I understand sexual trauma to work is it's complicated. It's not a black or white thing. Oftentimes a person will be sexually assaulted and, well, like, you know, this is weird and confusing. I kind of liked it. Yeah. There's, but right. I oh, like yeah. the attention or I like the that. way it felt. Oh, my God, what does that mean? And, and maybe I am responsible. And that's where all those complicated feelings come in. But someone that isn't aware of... Uh, the nuance or the complicated element, just the way the brain processes right. that stuff. It could what? just be ignorant people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was getting with it. So did yeah. you get the bullshit answer uh, or, or response of why didn't you say something? With who? Family? Or oh, just okay. Any- so that's so my sister. Um, I've been talking with my sister about my past trauma for about three years now. Um, is there a way to stop this and <laughs> pause? Take a pause break. <laughs> the pages of American history are illumined by the names of doctors who worked unceasingly to overcome disease and to make life happier and more secure for humanity. The makers of camels are pardonably proud of the standing of this cigarette among doctors. A nationwide survey of doctors' cigarette preferences was recently made. Three leading independent research organizations asked this question of 113,597 doctors, doctors in every field of medicine. What cigarette do you smoke, doctor? The brand named most was Camel. Yes? According to a recent nationwide survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Please stop. It's okay. You tried.
Anyway, so after some God. lovely editing, um, <laughs> yes. so I, you know, so I shared the the uh, blog. Um, my I started talking to my sister about it because she's like, "Hey, holy shit!" You know, like uh, you kind of just put it out there for the world to yeah read. And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I did." Because doesn't have power over me. I don't want it. I've had myself anymore. on the back. You know, I'm like, "This is freeing." Like, yeah. I, there's no more you know fucking elephant on my back. Like this yeah. is it's weird. It's kind of yeah. like you have a, a room full of rats, and they're they're really causing a lot of disruption in your life, and you flick a light on. Yeah, and all the rats go running away, right? And then you're blamed for flicking the light. Why did you disrupt the rats? <laughs> well, in, but it's, she was, <laughs> what? She was, she was sensitive about that. It wasn't a. It wasn't a. Why did you flick the lights on? Right. It was more of a. Do you, know you, oh, you, you realize that you flick the lights on yeah. to see the you know the monstrosity of the room? The rats are gone. Awesome. <laughs> Do you see the rest of this shit? You know, I'm like. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there's pain there though, because yeah. she's like, you know, uh, now because of this, I'm gonna have to deal with my shit and our family shit. And well, yeah, and then it's you know we've been talking about this for three years, and it, it was unexpected, and just there's a lot of family family issues stuff. to go on. I mean, it's yeah. I basically I blast my parents too. It's not yeah. like I, you know, like oh my parents were great. You know, I just didn't tell them because I didn't want to. And it's like no, my my parents were assholes. I mean they. They just were, yeah. um, and then she's like, "Well, you know, you know, your mother kind of trolls your Facebook page." Nah, she don't read that shit. I mean, she likes my photos, and every <laughs> every once in a while she'll comment, you know, like, "Oh, you know, like your boys are awesome, or they look just like you." Oh, how you know, cute! Yeah, right. It's like, "Oh, how was you know your trip to whatever?" And it's like, you know, the photos. She doesn't look at any articles that I post that you know of, yeah. right? And so it's like, oh, okay. So I call my mother about twice a week. Um, so I called her yesterday morning on my way to work and we're talking and you know there's she has a great poker face or I read her pretty well which after doing some research I read her pretty well she hadn't read the blog Mm. so I text my sister I'm like hey like don't worry like if she hasn't read it now I mean I shared this on like Monday or whatever it was like if she hasn't seen it yet like I've already posted a bunch of other shit she ain't gonna fucking read it you know like don't worry buried under other things and she's like well Here's the deal. Like, you need to think about it because you're going to come in on, in December and blast them with two things that I was sexually molested as a kid, and you guys are shitty parents. Right. It might be beneficial to just be like, hey, uh, so not that like, you were shitty parents, but there's reasons why I didn't share this with you and share it with her. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, that's fine because I'd rather share it with her than. Have her read it. And so I'm she just, wants d- good diplomacy, I guess. Maybe. Yes. Not, no, don't ruin Thanksgiving, Chuck. Mm. Pretty much, because right. who's going to be there for Thanksgiving? Not me. Uh, and it's I'm friends with my family members, and they they do troll my Facebook page. Um, and when you say troll, they're they're just looking at it. They're yeah, not they're not a bad posting like, negative not comments. A, yeah, they're not negatively like commenting. They're just constantly <laughs> like the, on my Facebook page, yeah. and that's why I have Facebook. So that my family can see my children. Pictures. Not so they can read Not the so fact that Russ I was... Russ Shaw can tag you in it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that used to be why I had Facebook. Yes, that used to be why. I no longer have Facebook for that. Yeah. Um, so I called my mother, and it's and this is like the hardest thing. In the, it was actually harder than what I expected. Um, and she brought up some weird comment, and I was like, yeah, or you could just ignore the shit out of that and never deal with it. And she's like, well, how does that work? 
I'm like, you got to deal with it in fucking 20 years. Yeah. And there was this awkward silence, which I kind of like awkward silences. Um, I f- it's a weird energy that I feel. And it was about 30 seconds, which is an eternity on the telephone. Yeah. And she just apologized. She started crying and... We had a really good conversation. Thank you, whoever stepped outside, for letting all of the mosquitoes <laughs> in. <laughs> it's a crane fly. I don't uh, remember where I was going with why I was telling this. Um, your blog the, post and your parents' reaction or your mom's reaction. Yeah, so it was, but it was a it was healthy reaction. Um, okay. It wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't um, criticized. No, or? no, it, there wasn't any of the like. Why the hell didn't you tell me this earlier? It was just a lot of. Yeah. Empathy. There was, uh, and when I did the sadness. same thing with you, with my mom that you're kind of doing with your parents, I had to talk to my mom about how fucked up my childhood was and what actually happened. And my mom, I thought, would get really defensive, and she was just, "I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry." Well, that's cool. that's the right response. Yeah, <laughs> and she wept, and, and then beautiful. she started kind of. Shitting on herself a little bit, um, but you know it's like, listen, you're a human. I, I get it. You were, you know, you went through some stuff with, with my grandparents who were hyper religious. I mean, my mom wasn't even allowed to go to movies or dances or listen to music, and so, you know, I get some of my mom's intimacy disorder, right? Yeah, using those words. So, yeah, I feel you, brother. That was one processing I had with EMDR that was insightful, actually fairly recently, with some stuff with my... My dad died when I was 12, actually just like a week after my 12th birthday. And he was only 36. I mean, really think about that. 36, that's a young man. Yeah, my life ago. And, uh, Does that fuck up your birthday a little bit? When your birthday comes around, do you think about it? No. Okay. I actually don't. I actually like my birthday a lot. Yeah. It did for my sister. My sister... I missed the tiki bar birthday last <laughs> time. There was something happening. Are you a dates person, though? No. Okay. I, I like okay. my holidays. I like... Birthdays and anniversaries are always a big thing in my family, and so is Christmas, but... Liturgical. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm, I'm a liturgical <laughs> kind of guy. But... One one insight. Your dad was yeah, a young man. Yeah. And, you know, you don't know shit at 36. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And... And I think my dad loved me. Like, I really, really do in my heart of hearts. I don't think he related well to me. And I probably said that before in, in previous conversations here. But one, one insight I, I had was that I can't, I can't really judge a 36-year-old man, young man, for not having the resources that I needed as a sensitive boy, Well, especially when he's sick and dying. And he doesn't relate to me. Well, again, he loves me, but doesn't relate to me and doesn't have the resources to impart to me. Uh, and so some of that is learning how to reparent yourself. So the insight I, I had was was not judging him for not having the resources and, and kind of forgiving him for that just because you're a young man. You don't know better. But, but that doesn't undermine or negate the fact that you were still a young boy with unmet needs. Yeah. And that's yeah. valid. Yeah, exactly. That's valid. Yeah. In your forgiveness or acceptance of his lack uh, to have resources to pour into you, don't, yes, acknowledge that, but don't undermine <clears throat> that you had needs that weren't met. Because yeah. that's real too. Yeah. And you have to kind of have both of those things. I think. Well, absolutely. I mean, I'm 61 years old. My dad passed away five years ago, and they're still, I still recognize. I shouldn't say still recognize. I am recognizing unmet needs. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. So, Chuck, back to your question of me of why I want to define it as 
low grade or or small tea. He's been processing this for a little while. <laughs> that's right. That whole time as we're talking instead of listening. Crane fly. The spirit. Oh, butterfly. So there's there's many reasons. It's lots of nuance. But in the group that I was at, the first uh, men's purity group that I was at, Marshall, yeah. uh, which actually had some good things about it. Yeah. Uh, the rule was tell me the thing that you don't want to tell me first. Mm. Mm. That's so, good. Yeah, that is good. So the, I like that. <laughs> right. We should so, do a so podcast. Just get, yeah, <laughs> just because you're gonna try and bullshit for in circles for you know the next half hour. Well, fuck that. Just tell me what you're dancing. What's good? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the um, when John is it John Biscoll that was Bissell. Biscoll. Yeah. Um, you know, you were talking about the. The study where the, they took all the single people and forced them to be vulnerable with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's basically what you're doing, right? right? Like you're just forcing everybody to, it's hey, think about the worst shit that you're gonna have to want to talk about and just go ahead and say it because we right. all got it, right? Yeah, yeah. So the reason that I don't want to tell you, I'm hedging myself. If I define it as low T beforehand, I don't have to risk. Telling you what it was, and then having you say, "Well, pff, fuck that." That's mm, not yeah. yeah. Right. So that's probably again. There's lots of reasons. That's the big ugly one that really hurts. Mm. Is I don't want to tell you my trauma, and have you go, "What the fuck is that's that?" Not that bad. That's like, not yeah, it's not that bad. Like, right. I, yeah, I understand. Now let me that. let me one up your trauma. See that, but I hate those people because you're just. It's like the works too. I mean, it is works based faith in reverse so it's hey i gave you know fifty dollars to my church you're you're genuinely that maybe that's all you can maybe that's all you can afford yeah you got to pay your bills and you make nothing it's expensive to live today and all you got is 50 bucks and there you go Mm -hmm. and that's the what's fuck that's the first fifty dollars that you gave you didn't wait until after all your bills were paid you gave fifty dollars in the beginning of the month and you looked at your budget you're like fuck I'm I think that's one short. of the, the messages of punk rock, too, is don't diminish me. Like, I'm going to wear colors. I'm going to put my hair in a mohawk. It's going to be spiked. Don't diminish and me. And it's kind of hedging yourself beforehand, right? Yeah. I already look fucked up, and I did this on purpose. I don't give a shit what you think about me, because I know I look like a fucking moron. <laughs> and I did, that, I did that because I want to fuck with you. So yeah. go the fuck away. Yeah. 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 Yes. Right. Will you listen to me? Yeah, if, if that's it's loud enough. Because the attention thing yeah. has some triggering stuff to it. But you're right. Just, just I want you to care about me. Yeah. Right. I want you to take five minutes and just I want to feel like you care about me right now. So when it comes to low grade trauma, I heard this woman and she's a behavioral. Uh, she works in public schools, and she was working as a nurse. She became a behavioral science and got into college and studied psychology uh, and social psychology for this reason. So she's working in the public school system. I, I forget major city somewhere, Chicago, something like that. And she was getting the, a lot of kids coming in with diagnosed ADHD. Like, all these kids, ADHD, ADHD, and then asthma and stuff like that. So she started getting into their stories, started asking the kinds of questions that we talk about here on Bunk Theology, um, instead of just going, oh, well, how do we treat your asthma? So she asked this little girl, and this is what changed her whole life and changed her outlook and changed how she was going to be educated in her uh, graduate degree. So she pulled this little girl aside and said, 
honey, tell me, when does your asthma really hit you the hardest? And she goes, oh, that's easy. When my daddy puts his fist through the wall. And so as she started to ask some of these ADHD kids the same questions, they had similar stories. You know, where it's it feels like this is a great way to to get away. Our minds can do really crazy things to escape from a super uncomfortable or traumatic situation. Yeah. And sometimes when your parents are fighting, and you're smart, you're a sharp kid, you can just go places in your own head to to escape that situation as it's happening. The power of the situation. This is something I learned in, in listening to a social psychology lecture that we we overlook as Christians and as theists, and we love to judge and kind of sit and we examine the other person. But we we don't realize the heaviness of the situation. Yeah, the situation is heavy for that individual and how they process life. Yeah, and whatever weird fucking tick or asthma or ADHD or depression or whatever it is that they're dealing with you know it's like you were saying about the chemicals um the, the susan that's what i learned about susan she said that psychologists love to throw labels on people and that makes sense for treating them and diagnosing them but what they do there is getting into the roots of where the labels come from mm. you know well where she's different too is there's an end game, yeah. Like and you guys are weird. You guys aren't. Tr- you guys aren't. Aren't. You know, aren't in. What does she call it? Crisis mode. Like you're too comfortable here. <laughs> we need to break that up a little bit. <laughs> and it's, I like well, that. And the end game isn't a endless medication or endless coming here to. Like, there's no need for Scott to come to group anymore. Yeah, he's done. Right, it's like you have more to do to live. Go live your life. Go, go. Yeah, you've yeah. learned what you need to learn. It's like yeah. wait, there's there's a therapist that says you're gonna stop coming here. Yeah. That's the whole, that's, that's the different. Hope, right? Oh shit! Yeah, like, that's right. We don't need this forever. Is. Because that's psychological really. masturbation gets money in, right? It brings money in. Like you want to come in here and psychologically masturbate again? Oh, cool! I get another check. But that's not how this place is run. No. Yeah, and that's beautiful. There was something about that that. That I, re- I remember, and I think it was in Dan's office. I was talking to Dan and Rick back and forth. And that's back when I was kind of, I had totally deconstructed my, my faith. And I'm bringing the Bible in to, to Rick and Dan and going, yeah, I'd, I'd sit down like this big fucking ego and go, boom, let me tell you how this is full of fairy tales and lies. <laughs> you know? And they just, they just kind of politely listened and asked really great clarifying questions like that. And I think somewhere along the way, I don't remember who came up with it. Was it me or Dan or or Rick or who? But I had this this metaphor tossed at me of, of like a snail shell. Like you picture everyone's in like they got their own snail shell, and basically in that office, I just took a stuck it stick of dynamite and I lit it, and then I stuffed it back inside my snail shell and blew that fucker apart. And it took that was really hard for me because. That snail shell was keeping me together. I really thought that that thing was keeping me together. And that was part of my my leaving my faith is because that my faith, to use that word, my friend Cash Peters would call it a small F faith, right? Instead of a capital F faith, I had this small F faith that helped that snail shell was part of that fucker, right? 
Like my view of God was going to keep me in that snail shell so I didn't have to be diminished, like you were saying. So I didn't have to have my story one up. So I didn't have to have my my thing shit upon. I'm going to wear that snail shell. And I think that that's part of being who we are. That's something... I'm going to steal that, by the way. <laughs> Jim Henderson. I feel like I, I don't have a home anywhere. <laughs> right? Like the, that's, or the that's shack, right? Like. It's like, wait. feels like nudity. My shack used to live right there. So through a dynamite and it's supposed to blow up, you're like, yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> well, and that's that was it. So yeah. I, you know, I so if I shared this and it's like, you know, I'm looking back and it's like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. Right. I mean I yeah, this is Then that's what you're doing with your blog post and that's what you're doing in here. Yes. And it's something that Jim Henderson said yesterday. Um define yourself and stay connected. Right? As I as I let go of a burp as I said that which was for dramatic effect, <laughs> I meant to do that. No, I I didn't. But that's that's kind of blowing up that snail shell, right? Yeah. It's all of a sudden, I'm not defined by that thing that covers me anymore. I just yeah, you're blew not going the to look. Apart. You're not going to look for another one. Yeah, and now I'm going to stay connected. You know, you going for Thanksgiving with your family is staying connected, even though. Oh no, I'm not going there for Thanksgiving. Fuck that. It's going for Christmas. You know, you know what I, I mean. You're, you're engaging in the conflict. You're not. You're right. Yeah. You're still gonna go. You're gonna be there with your yeah, family. Yeah. Well, and that's so part. You're of not gonna the, judge them from a distance. You know, up on your thing with your. And part group, of the conversation group, that I had with my sister, gavel. you know, she says, you know, and she's similar to me as far as the expecting the worst. And it's like, Chuck, you're going to come here, and this may not be received very well, and you're not going to come back. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm coming back. Like, I like you. You're my family. <laughs> like, like, no, no, no. Regardless of her being my family, like, I like her. Yeah. She's a nice woman. She's intelligent. She says the wrong thing sometimes. And then she owns it. You know, she's like, oh, I kind of screwed up there. Um, so it's like, I'm coming back. It just uh, might not have a relationship with the it's rest of there. everybody else that, that wants to ignore this shit. Like, yeah. Hey, everybody, I'm here, and here's my elephant. It's going to sit in the middle of the room. I can choose to talk about it or not. So I found yeah. it. Be my left front pocket. This was really, this is not a good joke. Um, so I found <laughs> a, nine, a nine and a half foot elephant on eBay for like $35. It's this white, I mean, it's a white elephant. And I thought about it, it's like, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. Right? So buy it, just send it to the house, send it to my parents' house, and just, you know, there's a note that says, don't open until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, you know, happy, you know, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, guys. And then I show up, and it's like, oh, that's mine, by the way. <laughs> They're like, what? And it's like, yeah, you want to talk about that? It's the elephant in the room. It would be funny it, if it, right? when they open the little package, if it's self-inflated, <laughs> when it wraps, you know? It just also, <laughs> like, fills the whole room up. So, Derek, with what you said, uh, is it... Um, because I, I'd like to think that what we create here, even when we're not recording, is is a private, safe space. Do, do you not feel safe to put out... At this point, it's just a habit, and it's a story I've been telling myself gotcha. for so long that I believe it now. Okay, gotcha. So, and probably a little bit of that, but mostly I think it's just, well, this is a story I've constructed because I've told it over and over and again, so I'm just repeating the story gotcha. that I know. Yeah. Does it feel like it? repeating it now... Um, it loses some power over you? Yeah. Well, that's always how, you know, once I identify it and sign it meaning. Right. Uh, and that's the great thing about saying the thing you don't want to say first is it gets to the real heart of it 
and then you look at it and then you give it meaning and you and you can kind of pull it apart and pick it apart and then all of a sudden it just kind of it doesn't disappear but it, it just kind of turns from a tiger to a pussycat right yeah 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 it loses its roar right its bark is bigger than its bite that makes sense for a tiger yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be triggery and I don't mm, sorry <laughs> That's all I can say okay. because I, I haven't. I've been thinking about this for a while, and I haven't found other words you triggering? for it. So I'm triggering everybody on okay. the planet, um, probably <laughs> Russ and myself at the same time. So what it, you know, we put levels on it. So we call it big T and low, little T trauma. But what if it was just enough trauma to put you into a place where you were like rock bottom? Um, you know, like it was, and it's and the reason I say it's triggering it's like so you're telling me I had to be sexually molested to fucking hit my rock bottom like that's a fucking bullshit yeah um, but what if it's just like what if that's the trauma that you go through regardless of it being you rating it big T or little T it's the correct trauma for you or for me or for whoever to get to but would you, you need to even to would we and that's something that I've thought about too would we even be in the level of the valley of the shadow of death had it not been for that like would I have to walk through that is there is there you know I don't fuck I hate that word but it could end up be something else you know I don't want to lose a parent I mean that's fucked up that you lost your your dad that's almost is that worse I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do with it. It's just... It's just that, life, man. It's just life is what happens, and I'm not going to see it as a gift. I think that people that have a blessed life, I, not I, all of them are, are well, heathen. I have to think about the low-T trauma and, and how to answer that question. Derek answered it for himself. I have to think about it for me, but where I go with it sometimes where, uh, you know, again, big T, little T, is, is more... Um, when, when something is big T or someone has post-traumatic stress disorder, like a diagnosable, like, okay, this is traumatic and these are the results of it or the consequences of it, and there's treatment modalities for that that are in place to deal with that. Uh, where I struggle with it more is just, um, okay, do you have some stuff to process and work on? Or, man, is that just the way you're hardwired? It's a chemical imbalance and, and there's no, like, processing you can do you kind of maybe just need like you know a good therapist and maybe some medication either long term or short term to deal with the chemical imbalances and that's where i kind of struggle with it for myself is asking those questions and i i'm in process on that as well right so well i look at it like like shit happens i mean bring god into the picture why did god allow that i fucking don't know yeah you know, why did God allow you to be abused as a kid? I don't know. But I do know that God can take that shit and save this man's life. Mm. Well, it's... So you're you're assuming that he's... And that's a Calvinistic view, right? So he's a little also, bit, yeah. Because you say, like, my, my curiosity is why bring God into it at all? I'm just asking. Like, no, it's a, be, uh, for me, it's that... Well, it's like Henderson said last week, that Jesus, for me, is a central... Of my reality. Yeah. And me too. And would I even be doing any of this shit if it wasn't for my faith? Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't be here. I'll be honest. I I don't I don't know dead. what I'd be doing. Yeah. And see that's what I look at this is that I believe that 
God is bigger. God's purposes are bigger than our cons- than our choices. You know that that the the fucked up stuff that happens, God's bigger than that. I don't understand it, but I'm okay embracing that mystery. But I do believe that God set up Russ to be in church that Sunday to have that relationship with Hickman, who then brought him into his life and then saved his fucking life that day. I don't believe that can just happen, and that's just my spin, um, and that's the that's the faith that I embrace is that. Maybe I have to embrace that. That that's my invisible friend making sense. But that's you making sense of it. James Finley is an interesting guy for people to look up. He's a, a contemplation teacher and a psychologist, and he has some great talks. And I actually have a couple of his books. And you know, he eloquently brings forth this idea that, from a Christian paradigm, that the, the, the cross is basically God telling you that He won't spare you from anything. Mm. And we don't think of that typically in North America. It's usually like God's going to rescue me or save me or spare me. But it's like, no, look at the cross. God won't spare anything from you. Yeah. Why would you expect anything less than the cross? Right. I heard a similar story with a a, a bunch of Jews who were being ushered onto a train. And um, the the story of this, this... and there was more Jews than there was soldiers. It's one of those things, right? And they're all standing there with guns, but there's probably 10,000 Jews in lines being ushered onto these trains. And one guy's like, where's God while they're there? And and uh, some some kid is hanging upside down by his feet, and the, and the soldier just pops him in the head. And some guy shouts, where's God? And then another guy... A few rows down goes on the cross with the rest of us, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But there's also something to the fact that there was more Jews than there was Nazis ushering them onto the train, and I guess that's where I go somewhere also with my punk rock attitude. With uh, kind of like what you were saying, there's a there's a song lyrics by a guy Matthew West who who writes Christian song. I like him. I like his lyrics. I don't know. I, I don't like the chimey Christian music as much. I think it'd be really cool if a punk band um, redid Matthew West songs. <laughs> I would like him more. But one of the, one of his songs, he says he talks about you know a guy's going, "Where's God when this happens? Where's God when the Nazis happen? Where's God when children are molested? You know, when are you going to do something?" And the lyric says, uh, "I did do something. I made you." Right. Well, that's something. That's that's the mission. That's that's like if if you're honest and taking a more maybe I I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Maybe a more ancient view or or um, a pre-Reformation view of it. The the gospel is God saying "Me too" Mm -hmm. versus "I'll spare you from X." Yeah, yeah. And I think it's naturally for for us as humans is to want to be spared from. Mm-hmm. But I think also being progressive is pushing back that darkness in the world. Oh, yeah. It's getting out there and getting your hands dirty and getting into the mess of humanity, which a lot of Christians don't like to do because we'd rather stand back and judge it all. That way we don't have to you know, get our hands right. dirty. And uh, Well, that's what, what, what is, quote, the church? Is it the body of Christ? No. Wasn't that what the body supposed to do? Yeah. Lord, please. Well, hey, you're the body. You're the body. Exactly. So I've been doing a lot of engaging with what I call dead-end questions, (laughs) which means not that they're not worth 
asking, or not that you're not allowed to ask them, it's just that they don't go anywhere that's really all that helpful um, in the long term in terms of having any meaningful answer. And I think the why did God let yeah. question is a dead-end question. Yeah. You can't, you can go there if you it's want. It's a sincere question. but you're yeah, yeah, and that's fine. It may be part of your process, but just know... You're not going to find any answers. <laughs> exactly. So, well, but I think that's a big question, though, and that's a good question. Yeah, that's my point. It's not yeah, because it was part it. of my process, and for me to even ask that to get that past my fucking mouth gate was powerful. Right. But then to sit there and say I'm going to sit here until I find an answer, just know you're not going to find an answer. Well, yeah. You need to ask a different question to make progress. And that's I. That's yeah. Yeah. You got it. Leads you into deeper why. questions, like. Why did Joe molest me? You know, it's like, I want to ask him, like, why? You know, why, why, why? And the first time I sat in group with you, Russ, uh, with, in Everett with Susan, she, you know, she's like, there is no answer to that. Yeah. I'm like, no, fuck you, you know? there, Yes, there is, you know? And it's, and then all of a sudden I just hear it through everyone else's stories in the group. It's just like, wait, fuck. No, like, this is a letdown. Like, no, there's a fucking answer to it. <laughs> And answer it's that not, question. you know, and yeah. that's the same thing, question. you know, it's a, it's a, just a dead end question. Like there isn't yeah. a fucking answer like that we can understand. But there are God other questions that. that are more helpful. Like, yeah. so the, why would you want, you know, why do you want there, why do you want God to reconcile or why do you want God to answer for that? Yeah. I don't know like, if why, God, why do you want God to, you know, like, what are you look? What, what was you expecting from God? Where the connectivity, where the connective tissue happens, and I think that this is there's a lot of what neuroscience is saying too about healing today from this kind of thing is when when that passes your mouth gate and you actually say it in front of other people hmm. because when you just you know okay. digest it and and regurgitate it, I used to use that analogy on the other podcast like a cow with four stomachs, right? You just sit there and you chew the cud. <laughs> and we do that. When, once you get it out into other people and other people can go, oh, man, I'm sorry that happened to you. Or, you know, it gives us dignity when someone knows our story and says, yeah, that's fucked up. Or says, me too. And that process of healing can start. And also, so from, so I've been doing a lot of reading of, of philosophy. And, right. uh I'd be careful with that because there's a lot of fucking endless questions. <laughs> well, and that's not why. why. That's, that's, <laughs> it's like the secular version of, of speaking in tongues. Anyway, go ahead. So, again, I, I talk about Hegel a lot, and I'm going to go back to Hegel. And he talks about, you know, the the fact that there's really two, like, we, we are inside of our own minds. Oh, yeah. A lot. But yeah. then there's also, and we like to, you know, to say that most of our work, you know, who we are is our mind and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but we always come up with the fact, up against the fact that nature exists. Nature is objective. Nature is out there. And so there's something to, you're talking about speaking, to taking something that only exists within your mind and transferring it into Putting a physical in world, world, into yeah. the physical world and manifesting it into reality. Yeah. That, and something about that transfer does something to us. Yeah. That yeah, you know, I'm sure you maybe hopefully eventually science will be able to say, oh look, this is the button that pushed or whatever happened. But even if it doesn't, yeah, uh, yeah, there's so you're right. There's something about Metallica did that movie 
some kind of monster. That was interesting. Yeah. It was a good, and it was a lot. A lot of that was about that. Like, why is our music so dark? You know, they start <laughs> they start to do this work with a therapist who is actually paid forty thousand dollars a month or some crazy amount of money like that. I'd be okay with being paid forty thousand dollars. <laughs> I should go back and watch that because when I first watched it, I I felt myself being judgmental. Oh, yeah. James Hetfield just seemed like such a baby, such a yeah. whiny bitch because but, he had so much he hadn't done dealt with. You know. It was dealt with in his music, but I don't think it was dealt with in his mind or in his own heart. Like, he just kind of put all that shit out there that he was struggling with. I'm more empathetic now. I might see it differently. So uh, I'll put that on my He list. also did a movie, James Hetfield did a movie with a, with a Christian filmmaker called Fatherless. <laughs> Fatherless. Yeah, and he actually spoke in front of a church, in front of a bunch of people. And that was, there, there was cuts in the, in the film from that talk where he was asked about his dad and his dad was this religious uh, Seventh-day Adventist guy that basically abandoned him and his mom while his mom was dying, you know? Mm -hmm. So does that make sense for some of his music? Some of the people that might judge it, you know? It's like, yeah, he had some issues with God, you think? Um, (laughs) I'm wearing the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse shirt. As we're as we're recording, it's, but it, that, that was yeah. part of his process. Show, show me somebody that doesn't have issues with God. Sometimes, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Is we yeah. all have to go there. That's how we. That's the shack, right? The, the story of the shack was all about that. We all have a shack, and our shack is a. The shack is a metaphor for the human heart. It's where we don't want other people to come in and see the dirty space. That's why I love that we meet here in Derek's garage, and it's it's kind of grungy and dusty. Hey, <laughs> right? Don't it's yum. It, it's it's our heart. It's the human heart is like that. It's not it's not a palace. It's not where you invite everyone in. It's it's secret. It's private. It's it's uh, it's hard to bring people into that place. Into well, that I kind space. of view the whole scheme of things. The guy that saved your life. From the alcohol poisoning. Yeah, Tom Esford. Saved his life, retrospectively, when you think about it. From a chain room. Yeah, well, and, yet, and so we were talking about that, too. So it's the, I'm trying to break a cycle Yeah. as far as destructiveness. And then there's another cycle of, starting you know, like, one. heroism that is starting one. So it's like, okay, so sometime in the future, I have a similar interaction with somebody where it's like, I mean, it's, I, unbeknownst to me, they're going to go home and kill themselves. And I have a, sit down and talk with them and just, it's a me too, right? And so now I've broken the destructiveness and I've continued the readiness. See, that's my view, God. God is bigger. (laughs) That's true. In In each of your lives, you are all putting stuff in my life that I'm needed now at this moment. I wasn't. I didn't need this, or wasn't ready for this five years ago. But I need that now, mm-hmm. and that's how I believe that God. Again, you know, it, it might. Just, it's just me, but I embrace that mystery that God is bigger than the surroundings and the shit that happens, and speaks life. You will say, as I've seen the empathy that's created through the shit I've dealt with that I have for others, is that you will save. I, I could bet. What little retirement I have on the fact that you will save a life. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 1. 
the comfort others with the comfort you yourself have received. That's and that's not what the church is supposed to do. Amen. Amen. Digital Audio Project, LLC, who is responsible for its content. Hey, send us an email, why don't you? PunkTheologyPodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter at PunkTheologyPod. And don't forget the Facebook group page called Punk Theology Pub. Again, Digital Audio Project LLC 2017 No fucking rights reserved Don't Want to Be an Asshole Anymore is a song by the McKenzenazers I hope I'm pronouncing that right Again, follow the bands on Spotify and you will get notifications for when those bands come to town Support the music Support the arts and uh, become a Patreon sinner saint through the Punk Theology uh, podcast webpage if you'd like to help out with that. PunkTheology.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.